0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Hey Bruce, you guys uh, were your own worst enemy at times last year. You said that that uh, in order for you guys to become a good football team, the Bucks need to stop beating the Bucks. Would you categorize this as another instance of the Bucks beating the Bucks today? I mean, there's no doubt. So if I said to start with, and uh, it's my job to make that stop. I thought we had it fixed. Obviously, I didn't do a very good job of getting it fixed. And then also, too, uh, in order for you to beat the Saints, your defense has got to come up with with more than one sack and 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 take the ball away. You had zero takeaways today on defense. Do you agree? Yeah, we had a couple go right through our hands. I mean, we had he threw it to us two or three times, and uh, you yeah, know we had a penalty
1: on one where we should have had an interception and another one. Goes right through Jamel's hands, so we just gotta catch him when they throw him to us. This is the big nasty, yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby.
0: This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother, you ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo!
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand-new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 128. Now, before I go any further, I would just like to remind everybody that there are 15 more football games on the schedule, and you don't win a Super Bowl in week one. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me as always my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing on this Monday, my friend?
0: Overreaction Mondays are back, and aren't they just great?
1: I mean, that's that's the surefire sign of Buccaneers football being back. You know, every year when the Bucks play bad football, I think it's kind of a running gag to see how soon people can start jumping ships. You know, and I'd say I, and
0: mi- some of the different reasons that they can come up with. Because, I mean, everyone's right. been played out by now. So.
1: I'd say, like, mid-October is the average threshold. But week one, when you've got people just totally abandoning all hope, season is a wash. Wow,
0: okay. You're, fire, you're chase, me, and light.
1: Like, you you, you know the drill. You've me. heard it before.
0: I mean, let's look over at Cleveland right now. Like, they are, their fans are a mess right now. Like I think they might be worse than Bucks fans, because right now, I mean, they're saying fire Kevin Stefanski who just coaches first football game, and trade Baker Mayfield after one game. <laughs> so I mean, man, that is just brutal. And I mean, those fans have been through it, but I mean, so are Bucks fans, and I, I understand when when you have when you have expectations and th- those expectations aren't met. Um, Sometimes, you know, you can overreact. But then, you know, that's why we like to record on Mondays because we don't want to sit there, you know, Sunday, 15 minutes after the game ended and spout off nonsense. Uh, We want to take a minute, right, listen to all the the post-game quotes, then listen to, uh, you know, the coaches' quotes today and really think about it. I've watched the game back a little bit. Um, I have some more thoughts on it. But, I mean, yeah, week one, for every fan base, I feel like, it can give you so much hope, but also it's just like, demoralizing to a fan base because if they won, it would be, okay, this offense is unstoppable and they're going 16-0. If they lost, and this is really for any team, I think, like honestly, um, if they lost, it's, you know, oh, my God, the sky is falling. This is going to be a disaster, this and that. Uh I'm shocked you haven't seen, like, oh, fire Bruce Arians. You know? I've seen a few. I've seen a few, yeah. believe it or not. Wow. Those those guys aren't intelligent then because you don't, whatever. They, they just it. watched their first Bucks game yesterday. But ladies and
1: gentlemen, <laughs> if you haven't figured it out by now, the Buccaneers did not win their game against the New Orleans Saints. The final score in that one, 34-23. To so today on the show, we're going to be basically talking about what went wrong. There was a lot of bad. There's a lot of things that went wrong, but there was a lot of good about this football team. And I feel like a lot of people um, just kind of missed that mark. You know, there's definitely some people who have seen the good that this team can produce, but the majority of people on social media just really, I I don't know. I know the heat of the moment is one thing, but like you said, recording the next day gives us a clear head. So let's go over what happened in this game. To sum it up, uh, good football teams don't beat themselves and the Bucs beat themselves. But I'll tell you this. I don't think it's going to happen again this season. Maybe we see a sloppy penalty next week. Maybe we see something, you know, maybe a a stupid holding call by Donovan Smith. That was the only thing we missed yesterday. But um, I just don't think it happens to that degree again. And, you know, when you have those undisciplined penalties, they add up pretty quickly. And in the case of the Buccaneers, you literally put 14 points on the board a little bit quicker than you would have liked to because of undisciplined penalties. You can't do that against a football team like New Orleans. You know, comparing penalties to the situation the Bucks have been in before where they've had to play from behind, it just, it seems different. You know, and, and I I went into this week one game expecting the Bucks to be a little bit more disciplined than they were. Like, I know we talked on the pregame show. I know we did the season predictions and we talked about, you know, week one football is going to be sloppy. Week one football is always sloppy. You don't have a preseason. You don't have OTAs. You get half of a training camp. I get it. But I just, I look at the competition, you know, and I look at what happened in the second corner. Those, those undisciplined penalties started to add up after a great first quarter, by the way, but those undisciplined penalties started to add up. And then I think what the nail in the coffin was in the second quarter of the football game, the saints won the mental battle. They, they found a way to get under the skin of a lot of guys on that Buccaneers roster, including Mike Evans, who just seemed so razzled by Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was day and night. It was really weird, but they won the mental game. There came a point where they were just messing with us. They were toying with the bucks and uh, ultimately they fell for it. In turn, you fall behind just too much for you to catch back up on. <sighs> and that, I mean, that's what I got to say about that. Just undisciplined football is going to lose your football games. And I think that's what majority of, we saw on display last Sunday.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted this, but can we just stop with like the, the Mike Evans it owns Marshawn Lattimore thing, because I understand they bracketed coverage towards Evans and he was a little bit banged up. Sure. But I mean, the dude, if he doesn't catch that touchdown, it's another game without a catch against this guy for him. Like, Come on, like you, you can't sit there and, and go off of one play in 2018 when he beat him on a deep ball and say that this guy just owns him because he doesn't. OK, it's Marshawn Lattimore has Mike Evans's number did the, the entire Saints team right now has the Buccaneers number.
1: And that's why they feel so <laughs> confident talking the trash that they do you because saw Cam they Jordan.
0: can they, they 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 can because they know yeah, that if, true. you know, their their expectation right now is whenever they play the bucks it's it's it, they're going to win they are they are going it may not it's going to be a different way maybe every time it'll be a different way sometimes it'll be a shootout sometimes it'll be a defensive battle they're going to win the football game and that's where this buccaneers team needs to get to where they expect to win the football game and right now yeah i mean Bruce Arians is 0-3 as, as Bucs head coach against the Saints. The Bucs have not beaten the Saints since the, that week one game in 2018. That was the last time they beat the Saints. So they're, what, 0-4 against them since then, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, they're 0-4 against them since then. And, I mean, they still still got one more battle with them here. So they just get so – I've never seen a team get under their skin like you said and just be able to – I mean, and the Saints do it to a lot of uh, teams. I think is, let's all. I think we can all admit the Saints talk way too much.
1: That, I mean, that's just. I, I think that's their brand. You know, Sean yeah, Payton oh, is, a, is. is a snarky asshole, and we saw that on full display against Tampa Bay. He always pulls something out of his The, the, the shame I, of
0: it. The shame of it is, I like Drew Brees, but I don't like anybody who's around him. <laughs> like yeah, I don't pretty, like. Pretty Michael, I don't like. I don't like Michael Thomas. I don't like Sean Payton. Alvin yeah. Kamara is okay. Like, but I don't like Cam Jordan, like Demario Davis, like Marshawn Lattimore. I don't like any of those guys. And like, I don't know. I feel like the Bucs just don't have anybody that the Saints really hate because they give you no reason to hate them because they aren't winning. Right. Like, that's what you always say with a rivalry. Okay. It's not a rivalry. If the Saints win every game, that's not, that's not a rivalry. That's not what the definition of that is. If if the Saints win every game, that's just a game that the Saints win. and That's domination. You know, if they split every year and every game was chippy and stuff, that is a rivalry, right? Uh, Cowboys-Eagles, that's a, you know, most of the time, if you look, there's not too many sweeps there. And the Saints have just said the Buccaneers number for far too long.
1: Yeah, it definitely is time for that to change. And I guess we just have to wait and see until the next time they play later on in the season. But as of right now, like it or not, the Saints— Their players, their coaches, they can say whatever the hell they want because, Evan, just like you said, they have been on a roll against Tampa Bay. But I want to move on from stuff like that. I want to look at some stat lines. Tom Brady, we kind of have to talk about the quarterback. Really quickly, before we get into the stat line of Tom Brady, I just want to throw out some fun facts that maybe not everybody knew. On opening day in his NFL career, Mr. Tom Brady is 14-4 and after yesterday's loss. The last three times he lost on opening day, made it to the Super Bowl. Okay, so <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm going to leave it at
0: that. Also, you're, one more thing. You're saying, you're just saying, but you're not saying. Well, one more thing
1: that I'm just going to say before we get into these stat lines here. The Buccaneers also lost to New Orleans week one of that 2002 season, and if everybody seems to remember, I think they had a decent year. Um, um,
0: actually, they got swept by New Orleans in that year. So uh, Let's get into... Yeah. I do want to say one thing, though. I know we Go were ahead. throwing a bunch of nuggets here, but this New Orleans team is very good, okay? And can we not, like, after every week, compare what the Patriots did versus what the Bucs did? The Patriots just beat the Miami Dolphins, you know, 5-11 and last year. It's a little bit different than losing to, New- to the New Orleans Saints who were 13-3. Like, just stop with that, please. You know
1: what? And something else that I think bears repeating, um, we brought it up when we did the, uh, you know, the last episode, the pregame show. And I'm surprised we haven't said it yet, but chemistry as well. It's important to remember, you know, we, we've talked about this, te- uh, the Saints team being a well-oiled, well-oiled machine, division title after the division title, you get it. You know, they're a good football team, but they've been together a very long time. That core has been there. And week one football combined with a team still kind of figuring out their chemistry you're just going to get results like you get. But let's get a little bit more into this game and what went wrong. But let me actually talk about some stat lines first, because I've said that like four times and not done it. So Tom Brady, Mr. Quarterback, number 12, 23 for 36 and passing 239 yards, two passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. Looks like a good stat line until you get to this part. Two interceptions. One of them was a pick six. What do you think of Tom Brady's day?
0: Red, if I wanted that performance, I just I would have just kept Jameis Winston. Ah, uh, you know, uh, listen, I don't think he was as bad as people are going to overreact to. But, man, it's just, uh, you, you got Tom Brady. A main reason you got Tom Brady was, the main reason you were going to make a quarterback change to whoever it was, was to limit turnovers. Just correct? secure the football. I mean, this is it's that was like Jameis Winston could have done that. Jameis Winston could have had the same exact game.
1: Jameis Winston would have thrown for 439 yards, not 239. But I, I i know exactly what you mean,
0: yeah. I mean, just man, I don't know. Like, I think he played okay. Um, first one, uh, you know, if you look, Bruce Arian said it was on Mike Evans now after watching the tape, sort of stopped his route. Right, he was expecting him to go up, even if he's going up. That's a tough catch. Um, and then the second one, you, you can't throw that ball. Uh, I don't know why the out route is in uh, the Bucs playbook. And actually, I saw somebody else I forget which game I was watching, somebody else got picked off on an out route. And I was like, why do teams even throw them then? Because yeah. it, you had the timing has to be so perfect on an out route, on a deep out route you know, I mean, Brady was throwing almost across the entire field and it was just late. It was behind him. It was a bad ball. It was late. It was not a good play. That's a hundred percent on Tom Brady. He knows better than that. Um, And I I think he will adjust, but it just, that's not what you wanted. That's not what you're, you got this guy for.
1: And I think we need to make this clear as well before we go any further. A lot of people are going to listen to this who are just kind of, you know, casual Bucks fans and they're, Probably going to be upset that we're shit-talking Tom Brady, but we're going to look at Tom Brady with just, a, just as much of a critical lens as we are anybody else on this football team. It's how we've always done our show, and it's how we're going to continue to do our show. So Tom Brady had a bad day. It wasn't entirely his fault. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, we're going to talk he made about He some every... good plays. He had some really good Absolutely. plays. Absolutely. He, he made some promising plays. That first drive, that first quarter. I thought the Bucks I mean, were winning that game. As soon as they came ball, out, scored a touchdown in the fashion that they did—that Brady rushing touchdown to kick off the TB12 era in Tampa Bay—I was hype as hell. Tried to tried to Facetime me. I know I did try to Facetime you, and then you're like, you could Facetime me after the next touchdown, and then they did <laughs> the next score any one, touchdowns. The next
0: one was when they were down 24 to seven. Oh yeah, man. yeah. Thanks, Evan. Thanks. <laughs> That's what I get for trying to Facetime you and, and you know, have man. a good next conversation time.
1: during a football game like Maybe. friends do.
0: Maybe next time oh, oh, we're friends. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe next time uh, I'll answer and that'll be a little bit better luck. Maybe.
1: Oh, man. Let's finish up these stat lines really quickly and talk about the rest of the game. Chris Godwin, your leading receiver for the day for Tampa Bay. Six receptions for 79 yards, just missing a touchdown. Very solid performance from Chris Godwin. We talked about Mike Evans kind of being shut down, the absence of him. And the beauty of it is that you have Chris Godwin who can step up and play the way that he did. So very, very good day for Chris Godwin. You'd love to see it. Levante David on the defensive side of the ball. And I think you got to group these guys together. Levante David and Devin White both finished with 11 tackles each. I mean, they were all Let over the Let me just
0: throw place. in, yeah. David had a dominant second half. Absolutely. Um, the 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 first half, I was like, eh, like he's kind of quiet. And then, like during that second half, there was that drive where he was in on like three straight plays. I was like, oh, he's awake now. So yeah, he first half he was a little eh, and then the second half he really turned it on.
1: Yeah, eleven tackles for Levante, two tackles for a loss, and a one quarterback hit on Drew Brees. Only one sack from this Bucks defense, by the way. That came from Jason Pierre-Paul. Not good enough. You are correct. But,
0: but, I mean, they didn't sack him at all last year, so that's progress. It is
1: what it is. What it is. Devin White, before we move on, I do need to say as well, his tackling, dude, he tackles insane. Like, he he jumps in the air, swings on somebody with his arms. Like, it's all arms. You know what I mean? It's some of the craziest tackling I've ever seen, and it looks violent as hell every single time, but <laughs> it, it's kind of cool.
0: He's going to get. I just hope he doesn't get called with like a horse collar or face mask. That's the only thing. Like, when you're tackling with your arms like that and it's up high, like, because you're, you're going to, if you're tackling with your arms like that, you're going to have to do it up high. Because if you're trying to tackle your arms down low, they're just going to shed the the tackle. So, like, on that one, was it, was it camara where Dev White just like kind of threw him down? I was like, oh, I was like, did he grab the back of his jersey? I was like, no, okay. But yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal as well. Um, both guys, leaders of the defense. I think uh, White had a pretty all-around game. Like I said, I thought David always showed up in the second half. So, I mean, those guys, those are two guys. I thought they were going to be blitzed a little bit more. Um, but I, I think against Drew Brees, knowing that he was going to get out that quick, that the blitzes probably wouldn't do much anyway. Um, but, yeah, overall, a solid day for those two. Yeah.
1: We've got one more stat line here. And it's a guy who had... No? You don't want me to say it? You want me to save it? I was excited. Go ahead. Okay. This man probably had the best game of his NFL career. It is that man, Scooter Scooter. Scotty Miller. Five receptions, 73 yards, and his longest play of the day, a 37-yard reception.
0: Which was beautifully thrown. Oh I mean, God. I thought I thought that thing was over his head, and I was like, oh, it's right in the bucket. So I was like, oh, a quarterback that can throw a deep ball, that's something. Oh, uh, oh you're, but, you just you know,
1: alienated half of the people who can't get over it.
0: I don't care. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and then even like the ball at Godwin, which I was going to say earlier, that was a beauty as well. But, yeah, I mean, Scotty Miller, just you can see – he has a, a big r- rapport with Brady already. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are saying, like, Julian Edelman, no. Like, I, I saw a tweet, I think Greg Allman, it was a tweet at Greg Allman or something. He said, like, all the Edelman tweets are, like, false. Like, Miller is much more like Deshaun Jackson than he is Julian Edelman. Yeah. yeah. Like, Miller is, yeah, he's more of a Deshaun Jackson guy than, like, the dude's not Julian Edelman. Just like, a he's, th- not. he's
1: just a straight-up vertical
0: threat. Yeah, and I think this dude can be, I think, man, I think he's going to be pretty good. Like, I mean, you you, you know, I, I'm surprised a lot of people haven't given Jason Light and Bruce Arians more credit because this guy was a six-round pick. Um, but I think by the end of the year, I mean, he'll put up – he's not going to put monster numbers. Like he'll put up wide receiver three numbers on a team that has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski and Karen Bray. And a, I think a solid running game eventually. So, I mean, yeah, he's not going to have like 900, 900 receiving yards and six touchdowns, but like, you know, a career year is definitely going to happen. He's already shown an impact. They had that screen. They had a few out routes, which were nice the, the small out routes are good. It's the long ones that you just can't throw. And then, I mean, you hit him on the deep ball there. Then you hit him on the deep ball down the sideline when he almost caught the ball with one hand, and you know, you end up getting they end up getting flagged. And I think the Bucks end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So um, yeah, just overall really good showing from uh, the Scooter Man himself. So
1: now you said Scotty Miller. Hard for him to find, you know, constant productivity on an offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But I will say this, kind of the point that I made about Chris Godwin earlier, and I think plenty of people know this, but when you have that many that many talented wide receivers in your room like that, you know, if you have Mike Evans clamped for the game, if you have Chris Godwin clamped for the game, neither of those guys show up, it's nice to see Scotty Miller have that report with Brady where he's throwing his way pretty often. Like, he threw to Scotty Miller more times than I really expected him to. When Godwin just kind of, I think it might have been after Godwin was off of the field. But there were some times where Godwin, and of course Mike Evans having the game that he had, where Brady was dumping it off to Scotty Miller and he was making some things happen. So a really big day for Scooter and would love to see how he grows from this. So we're going to finish up with the bad of this game. And I think it is probably the biggest issue that this team has right now. The weakest link on this football team, in my opinion, and I'm sure many other people's opinion, is number 76, Donovan Smith at left tackle. Maybe you've heard of him, but uh pretty terrible day for Donovan Smith.
0: Say the least. Um, I, I don't. So a lot of people have been coming at me and saying that I said that Donovan Smith was good, which never said that. I said he was average. He and th- I'm sticking with. He is an average left tackle that had a very bad day. At least Why? you didn't say he was going to be a Pro Bowler. Wow. Okay, well, I mean, you're t- I'm taking shots at the former quarterback and you're taking shots at anybody else. So, um, <laughs> no shots, dude. I just bust balls. <laughs> um, so basically, I mean, yeah. also she, speaking of Winston, did you see the the tweet that said uh Winston probably on that Microsoft service watching Peppa Pig or something? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was good it was good he's like because it was that one when they showed him and he was like he was looking at it they're like he, he's probably right and i right. thought it was so good oh, um man. i love the guy though I love james um, oh
1: absolutely I, I think i think a lot of people <laughs> might get it twisted we had a guy on the last episode that was like you need to stop dragging james this and that this and that and oh, We love james okay yeah, we were it was awesome dude y- yeah like i he went and played for the saints. We're going to treat it how it is,
0: you know. Yeah. No like I want that guy to succeed, but like I want him to succeed in Tampa, like Yeah, I don't duh, want to see him doing in black and white. Whatever. Gold. Um, you know, so back to the the point which I kind of forget now, but Donovan Smith. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I say that he's average and people take that as me saying that like he played good. Like, I don't understand that. Like, I'm not saying that. He played horrible. But at the end of the day, his overall, like overall looking at him in a 16-game season, I think he grades out as an average left tackle. He had an awful day on Sunday. Both can be true. It's okay.
1: Our buddy, good friend of the show, James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation, did a film breakdown and uh, he posted the results of what he had seen. He was looking at Donovan Smith every single offensive snap. And he got beat hell of a lot of times. But he wasn't beat every single play. So I can agree with the everything that you just said. You know, it is a critical year for Donovan Smith. I have to imagine he doesn't want to take the field next Sunday and play the way that he just did. It's a bad day against a good football team. But let's move on from Donovan Smith he has room to get better he has the rest of the season to figure it out if he gives up 5 sacks next week knock on wood then let's talk about it but
0: as of right now he had a if, shitty day if, if let's he just, gives let's, up let's if he gives up like back to back or two sacks or whatever he'll be taken out of that game before the game's over i mean that's I, not... yeah
1: i think next week he gives us another performance even similar to what he put on the field against new orleans he will be benched and what do you think, Joe Haig or Tristan Worf's is your uh, conting- uh, contingency plan left tackle?
0: I would guess Joe Haig, just because I don't think – I think they – I thought Worf played a solid game. It,
1: and I, I wanted uh, to stay on the topic of the offensive line, by the way. Pretty good yeah. day for Tristan Wirfs. Cam Jordan yeah. didn't show up as much as anybody thought he would.
0: No, I thought Tristan was going to struggle. Uh, I really did. He had that one penalty where, where Jordan pro- kind of got the best of him. Uh, but – yeah, I, I thought he was going to struggle on a solid day for him, but I just think it's too early. He's still getting his feet wet at right tackle. Let him stay there for now. Yeah. I think you'd have to put Joe Hague in, which isn't ideal either. Ideally, since left tackle is more important, Worf would be able, maybe with a preseason, he would have been able to, but I just, I don't think so. I think eventually, though, I, I now this is after week one, so I mean, you still got a whole season, but I think the plan is to move worse to the left and find a cheap option at right tackle just because right tackle is not as important and you just you don't need like a great right tackle to succeed
1: so that means you just don't have a super strong feeling about Donovan Smith being guaranteed money next year
0: no uh, yeah i mean all of his money they can save like 14 million dollars by cutting him and with their free agent class right now which includes Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, uh, Ndamukong Suh, Rob Gronkowski. Those are like the big names. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying all of them are going to be back, but they're not going to need every dollar they have, especially with the salary cap not rising. So I think anybody that's on like the fringe of maybe making the roster is definitely going to be gone. So I think Donovan Smith, I think they can find a cheaper option to play. If you want to move Tristan Wirth to the left and and find a, a – a, a cheaper option in the second or third round of the draft, even I, I think you'd be able to. So uh, I think that's the route. Early, early week one overreaction. That's my overreaction right there. Yeah. Is that that that's the route that they're going to end up uh, going? So well, everybody's entitled we'll see. to see. He has, he has 15 games to, to change people's opinions. I mean, if he comes out and is dominant, I don't think many people are going to be talking about New Orleans week one, yeah. but we'll see. Very true. Everybody's entitled
1: to their own week one overreaction. And I'm glad that we got yours right here on the show. Now, at this point, I feel like we've pretty much covered everything that pissed us off about Sunday. So let's talk about some of the good stuff that we saw because don't get it twisted, folks. There was a lot of good on display no, with no, this No,
0: no, no. I can't excuse him for one thing. What is it? So, Rhett, let me ask you a question. If you're a football player and the other team's punting, do you think it's wise... To run backwards and try and catch the ball. <laughs> is quote that a smart quote. Deci- is that a smart football decision?
1: Well, a direct quote from Bruce Arians. Uh, I thought they learned that shit
0: in high school. but Well, they do. And apparently they didn't teach it to Mike Edwards. So that is inexcusable. It wasn't okay, a punt, so, by the way. What It was, okay, kind of. What was it? It was. It, it was. was f- so what happened was that Emmanuel Sanders had scored a touchdown. And then there was a penalty, I think, for like a face mask or a horse collar on Sanders. I think it was like Davis or somebody had hit him like up high or something. Right. So they tacked the yards onto the kickoff. It, they they tacked the yards onto the kickoff. Understood. So the, the Saints kicked it from the 50 instead of they kicked, they put it up 15 yards. So that's what that was basically.
1: And in uh, essence, in essence the Saints happen. just basically made the record for the longest onside kick of all time. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I mean that that cannot happen. I mean that that is that is high school football. That is um, I mean, you see, I, I know you, you got some flack for a tweet that you put out and after a reflection, you know, you you admitted that you were wrong, but
1: I only watched uh, it once, it was the heat of the moment, it happens, okay? Yeah, a lot of people are so, wrong on Twitter, so, believe it or
0: not. So Jaden Mickens is standing there and he's been the returner the entire time. Didn't return anything, like,
1: by the way. Fair catched
0: pretty much everything. Well dude, I don't understand what the Buccaneers, like coverage was doing. The Saints were down there, were beating them every single time. Yeah. I don't know if they were going for the block most of the time or what, but they, they weren't playing coverage. Um and then the one time he didn't fair catch it, he got blasted. Um so Jaden Mickens is there, or Jadon, sorry, whatever. We've had this conundrum before. Um and he's just standing there waiting for the ball, right? Mike Edwards comes, and he's like running like a wide receiver. This is a safety. He's running like a wide receiver trying to catch his ball. I think it hits Mike Edwards first. I don't know if it ever touches Mickens. But Edwards drops it, runs into Mickens, and that takes them both out, and then the Saints just recover it. Yep, and you slid see, right in there. And you can see Mickens just, Mickens just kept his hands up like this, and Mike Edwards put his hands up kind of, but then – quickly put him down because i think he sort of realized like what he did um that i'll tell you man that that can never happen again going that, back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show
1: you know sunday was undisciplined football at its finest it was it was put simple it was bucks beating bucks. i mean just like you
0: said we were talking before the show i mean yeah you know on a fourth and two you can't jump off sides. Like, yeah, what is tough Vita play doing? for Vita Vea there. You cannot jump offside You don't even know if the Saints were going to run a play; they could have been bluffing. And you, oh man, they
1: got him on the snap count. They got him on yeah. the snap count all day long, and that's kind of what we had talked I mean, about. I know, I know, Drew
0: Brees is good at it; like he's one of the best. But and they give they... credit, but still, you have to be prepared for that. You got to know on fourth and two, the last thing you should be doing move late if you have to. Yeah, like don't you know? Don't try to to time it perfectly. Like, you cannot do that. Just watch the ball. Like, I it, I guess it's high school football,
1: but I remember when I was playing high school football, that was rule number one of playing defensive line. Eyes on the football. You don't move till the football moves. And I feel like a lot of these guys in the NFL should know that. You know, granted the excuses of no preparation, no preseason, da-da-da-da-da, we've been through it all. Like, we, you know, I get it. But it's just stupid stuff that cannot happen again. And going back to what was said at the beginning of the show, No, I don't think it happens again. Here comes week two. But let's talk about some good stuff that had happened, okay? How about this defense, man? I mean, this defense came ready to play. You know, a couple of costly penalties that we already went over. One really bad pass interference that set the Saints up in scoring position that will happen every single time. But aside from that, Carlton Davis matched up against Michael Thomas, the slant king. He held Michael Thomas to three catches for 17 yards, the second lowest amount of his entire career. The development that we've seen from Carlton Davis is more than I thought we would. And I have to say that this young secondary, as a whole, I was much more worried about them headed into this game than I should have been, apparently. Antoine Winfield did a hell of a job, too. He had, what was he out there for, 100% of the defensive snaps? He looked like he belonged Uh. there at the safety position.
0: Yeah, I think he was out there for a good bit. Made a few nice plays. Uh, had his hands on a ball. Uh, Breeze made a questionable decision. By the way, Drew Breeze was not very good. Uh just no, want to he point that not. out. That Drew Breeze was missing guys all over the place. If I look back, I think Tom Brady had a better day. I'm just saying. Um, the difference. Here's the reason they lost this football game. Before we move fully into the positives. Two, two reasons why they lost this football game. One, I don't think has been talked about enough. One is the obvious one, the turnover battle. Uh, you lose the turnover battle three to zero. That you know you're not going to win much if you would you know, lose it three to zero. Two interceptions by a quarterback, that can't happen. Uh, and then the inexcusable fumble. Um, and you were just never. You got your. You got close to a pick a few times. Like I was gonna say Winfield got a got his hands on one. It was a tough play. Yeah, Jamel Dean. Dean by Dean, the way, oh, just oh. the fingertips, man. Just I thought he had literally, it literally. I thought he did too. And if he was probably an inch or two by, like back, farther, he would have had it. And that's a the Bucks were up seven nothing at that point, and they yeah. had the ball back. That's a different game.
1: That's uh, all the way right there.
0: Yeah. So that that is is one thing. So you lose a turnover battle. And then, two, they lost the field position battle too many times. And it seemed like it was doing the same thing. Like you said, Jaden Mickens would fair catch it at the 10. The Bucks would gain about five yards. And then punt, the Saints would start their, you know, at the 40. Like, they'd get to the 50, stall, have to punt. We'd do it all over again. And you're not going to win a lot of football games. Even the Bucks' opening drive, the first drive, started at, like, the 13 or 14-yard line. Like, it wasn't, like... They had to drive a lot. And it was I think man, that
1: first drive was 83 or 86
0: yards. Yeah, I mean, that's – man, that is just – when you're putting yourself in bad field position every single time, you're not going to uh, win a ton. And I do want to say one more thing. The Bucs' golden chance to win this game. Or not really win it, but take full control. So they're up 7-0. And the defense gets a stop. The Bucs go 3-0 that can't happen yeah you know you want to put them away put not really put them away but put some points on the board put a field goal on the board go up two scores
1: and it seemed like every single drive where we looked at the offense and we're like all right tommy let's go let's get some points on the board let's get back in this game or even yep. just you know hang on to where we're at stay contesting yep. in the game and it just really didn't happen there were too yep. many Never drives that flamed out.
0: Yeah, yeah but i mean yeah i mean that's Basically, all the doom and gloom for me. Uh, secondary, Davis, I thought was excellent. Uh, Sean Murphy, Bunting, I thought was really good in run support.
1: Absolutely, uh,
0: he, he made a he was okay in in actual coverage, but run support, I thought he was very good, especially early on. Jamel Dean, you know, he wasn't targeted a ton, which is a good sign for a defensive back. Um, because as a defensive back, if you're just being picked on like that Seattle game last year with him, that's obviously clearly not a good day. And you didn't really hear his name a lot. Defensive backs and offensive linemen are two where if you don't really notice that they're playing, that's a good thing. Um, and Dean just made one mistake where Arian said that there was supposed to be safety help there. It was cover two supposed to be safety help and the safety. I don't know. It might've been Andrew Adams. I heard was, was there and he just wasn't there for the help. So Dean's sort of fading off. And uh, let Jared Cook get that big play, and that was the Saints' yeah. biggest play of the day, biggest play for anybody. So, um, and and I think you know once once they hit that, I think everybody knew there was like ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. But I think everybody pretty much knew the writing was on the wall yeah. for how this game was going to end once they hit that. Um, but overall, yeah, the secondary, they're good, man. They they are good. Um, this defense, I think, is good. Uh, I mean. This is a good Saints offense that's been playing a while, and I know Breeze wasn't at his best. I know that it's the first game of the year. I understand that. Those are valid points. Same points that we're using for Brady in the offense, right? So you got to use them for this.
1: So when you talk about the Buccaneer defense, you have to talk about last year's number one ranked run defense. And as of week one, they picked, they were up, okay. they picked yeah. up right where they left off. Okay, let's did a talk good about
0: job this. against Kamara. Latavius Murray got a few runs on him. but He did. He did have- Decent job against Kamara. I mean, they really shut him down. I mean, besides, like, obviously allowed a, like a touchdown, but, like, whatever. Like, it was, like, a seven-yard touchdown.
1: It was his longest run of the day was six yards. But total for Alvin Kamara. I think that was the touchdown, too. 16 yards on 12 carries. You know, that's not three touchdowns, granted. But <laughs> 16 yards on 12 carries. When you're talking strictly run defense, they did a good job. And I'll tell you, somebody else that I've seen talking about this, I – agree with 110%, pretty sure it's our buddy Chris Fisher. Will Golston needs to be on the field more.
0: Yep, it was Chris, and another great take.
1: I mean... Will
0: I'm not not sure. I, think we, Nacho, I think Nacho was on the field then when he wasn't, because I think Sue and Vea played most of the snaps in the interior defensive line, so the other one, I think, was, was Nacho and Golston really splitting those reps.
1: Well... I'll tell you what, a, a case for Will Golston to maybe come in and split a rotation with Indama Kasu instead of a guy like Rakeem Nunez-Rochez, no offense to Nacho. He's a great player, great rotational guy. But Will Golston against the run defense, man, he just thrives in this Todd Bowles defense. He always finds a way to just get a hole or just get in the backfield. Like He just has a nose for it. He's really, really good from the interior of that line. And uh, I'm excited to see what Will Golston can do. I'd just like him to have more time on the field, you know?
0: Yeah, I think he's one of the more underrated players on this football team. I think uh, he's been a force at run defense for a long time. It sucks that he never really was able to rush the passer as much. Uh, He's just never really been a factor. I think he had, like, what, five sacks in his contract year or something? Yeah. Ended up getting paid probably a little bit more than you'd like just for a guy that is uh, just going to stop the run, pretty much. But also, like, Vita Vea, the Dominican suit, they need more from those guys. Uh, pass rush, a lot of times the Bucs drop back three. Uh, I mean, drop back everybody and send three. And Vita, like they were collapsing the pocket, but they just weren't. You got to get there. like, And they need more out of him. This is going to be a big year for him. because they, He made, I think, big strides last year. This year is more important. This year, he needs to be a guy that can get, I'm not, you know, he's never going to get 10 sacks, but he needs to be a guy that can consistently get four or five, six sacks a year. And right now he's just, and a few more pressures if that. And right now he's just not showing that. The Dominicans, well, you all know my thoughts on him and, and that I didn't think he should be back. I think he's just there to eat space. But it's Vita Vea, they need more from him, and they need a better showing against Carolina. Uh, they need a better showing throughout the year from him. Um, I hate to be negative again, but I, I thought, you know, against the run, he was fine. But, I mean, against the pass, he can't really do a whole lot. And, I mean, uh, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, they played okay. Uh, Shaq Barrett was in coverage a few times. I think they realized that, like, they weren't going to be able to get the breeze with just a simple four-man rush. So they sent Barrett to cover Camara sometimes, and that worked. It uh, worked well. Um,
1: I'll tell you what makes my heart hurt sometimes is seeing a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul drop back in coverage.
0: Oh no! What do you just think he's? I mean, he's athletic, but yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, you got any more positives here? I wanted to actually we...
1: kind of flip things over and talk about the offense. You know, we kind of dragged on the offense, and I think the narrative has been the bad day that they had, the lack of consistency from you know four or five hundred total yards over the air yeah. last year per Brett, game. Can I
0: ask you a question real, real quick? Uh, sure. Is OJ Howard back? Is he? Is he the best tight end on this team?
1: Oh, baby, O.J. Howard is back, ladies and gentlemen. I
0: think that touchdown was
1: a a lot of people. I don't know. I don't think either of us. I mean, I would have caught that touchdown, but, you know. (laughs) Yes, O.J. Howard is definitely back. But let's talk about the offense. Let's talk about some of the good things that we saw on the offense. And let's start it with the run game. It wasn't, you know, an explosive day by any means. But I like the commitment to the run game. I feel like there was never a point where I was like, why is Leonard Fournette on the field? There was one play where I was like, why the hell was LaShawn McCoy on the field for that play? Because he didn't do anything but freeze and look at three defenders before he was smothered. But I I think the commitment to the run game is going to pay off. And once the passing just works, once the chemistry is there, you can approach with a much more balanced offense. I think it opens things up. Just commit to the run. I like to see it. Even if you're losing, just run the football. You know, yeah. it just just do it. And and we saw some good flashes from Ronald Jones. We saw a couple of plays that he had where he was pretty athletic. Didn't break for anything huge, but he had a couple where he really.
0: Couldn't nah, yeah, start. I think his longest was twenty-one yards. I think. Yeah. It was it was right before the OJ touchdown. So that was what, the, next, the OJ touchdown was the next play.
1: So what did you think of this run game? And was there anything else on this offense that you think we can hang our hat on? Anything else you really liked on the offense?
0: Well, I mean. Um, yeah, the run game I thought was okay at first. I thought they were running it too much. I mean, you got—I know you want to ease sort of Tom Brady in, but I mean, what do you have like ten pass attempts at, at halftime? Right. You can you need more than that. I think they got a little too run happy, and also the runs in the first half. Why are you running right at the middle on first down constantly? Do something different. Jones is quick. McCoy is quick. Fournette's quick. Like, uh, I mean. You barely saw LaShawn McCoy in that first half. You saw him a little bit more in the second half when they were passing it a little bit more. But yeah, uh, and then, I mean, Fournette, you barely saw. He had decent one decent run where he cut it outside. Um, I think you'll see a little bit more of him each and every week just because I think still think, even though they said that he's a role, I think he's still getting acclimated to the team and the system and stuff. I mean, he's been here a week, so... Um, Give him gonna give him a pass. I thought Jones ran hard. I thought he ran good. Uh, I thought he looked good. The only thing he didn't really get was the touchdown, but I mean that's okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I liked what I saw. I'm encouraged. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more, but uh, yeah, I I thought it was decent. Uh, they they do. I think they need to get more creative with with their runs. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah, I mean the offense. Chris Godwin had a sneaky day to me so we were talking before the show and I was like, man, like, I didn't realize he had 80 yards basically. Like, I was like, geez, like, I didn't realize that. And, and I hope he's okay. Uh, DJ Swearinger hit him high in the head. So we'll see if he shows up on the injury report this week. Hopefully not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, like I said, Brady was okay. Evans was horrible. Uh, he drew two PIs, which was good, I guess. Miller was good. Gronkowski, man, if you're paying him $9 million to be a blocker, why didn't you just sign another offensive lineman? Like, I don't – they got to open it up more. I I don't think Gronkowski is in the greatest shape right now. I think as the season goes on, he will be. But, man, like you got to give him a chance more. Like he only had three targets. Like, come on. Like, and I mean, I know Bray – they were only in like the red zone like twice uh, but like I I know well maybe okay three times I guess but that last one I mean but Brate I get like twelve snaps or something might have been less than that um I mean just and he's Brate's another guy I think's definitely gonna be gone anyway but like man Gronkowski like they need more from him and I mean OJ Howard was clearly the best tight end on the field he's their best tight end Rob Gronkowski is not um you could argue that Rob Gronkowski is their third best tight end right now until he shows you otherwise. Uh, you know, uh, he he looked kind of lost at the end of his career in New England there. Then he retired, came back healthy. I believe he's healthy. I don't think he wouldn't have come back if he wasn't healthy and he felt like he could do this. But I think it's clear that, like, those injuries after all them years are really getting to him, I think. And that might be a little overreaction, but hopefully Gronk can – can be a factor. I'd like to get the tight ends involved a little bit more anyway, no matter what, who it is. Um, but other than that, I thought Ryan Jensen played good. Props to Ryan Jensen for sticking up when Cameron Jordan decided to punch somebody. Oh, hell and yeah. And the refs just completely missed it. So props to him for sticking up uh, for his teammates there. Thought Ali Marpet was okay. I thought Alex Kappa was all right. Um, I mean, really, if they had better left tackle play, they might win this game. Uh, still, the special teams was pretty bad. Though had a blocked blocked kick, which was on Kappa. And worse, actually, I mean, I hate one last point. I'm gonna make here is uh, I actually I'm gonna make two more points. This is one. I, I hate when people say when they count blocked kicks for kickers is like a miss. you eh, know, right? How's like, that a that miss? Was not on Suckup, You know what I mean? How was that a miss? How do you know if he was gonna make that or not? I by mean, by the way,
1: suck shows Sucka shows he was... probably wouldn't, but. I was thinking the entire time, every single time he made a kick, I was going back to the point that you had said, you know, just make your kicks. And and Ryan Suckup did just that. Let's not forget that, folks. Yep.
0: Yeah, he did. I mean it was in a dome. It'll be interesting to see what he does outside in Ray J next week. Oh but... God
1: forbid Tampa. Oh yeah. shit, here we go. Yeah.
0: And then next week he has Denver with that weird air, so uh but actually, you know, you normally people can kick farther there, so uh so basically, um I I, I I, I hate blaming blocked kicks on kickers. It was a complete blown assignment by Werfs and Kappa, and a dude just went in, whatever. And the other thing, I wanted to ask you this question. This is my last thing here. Do you think... Now, here's it's the tough thing, because they couldn't have cut Donovan Smith as offseason without eating money. If they could have, then this is an easy answer. What would you have rather had? What you have now, Right, which is Diamond Smith and Tristan Worfs, or the Bucks move Diamond Smith to right tackle, trade for Trent Williams, and draft Javon Kinlaw.
1: I would rather have what we have now. And the only reason I say this is because I've had the conversation with somebody before about moving Donovan Smith to right tackle and the consensus oh, I know he doesn't is want to do it.
0: I know that he doesn't want
1: to do it. Exactly. But. The consensus is if is if that, you know, they were going to try and move him to right tackle, he'd ask for a trade. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to do it. He's made his money on the left side of the line. That's what that big ass contract is for.
0: So well, okay, then I—I I mean, I'd be perfectly fine moving him for a seventh-round pick, basically eating the money and drafting Worse at thirteen, because Ken then you could Wall add Williams would, Williams at left tackle and third and Worse at right tackle. Kenlaw would be awesome. I think it would be great. But
1: when you've got Donovan Smith playing like he plays, you move him to another side of the line, and then you get aging Marcus Peters. I know he's Marcus Peters. I know he's still Marcus Peters.
0: Marcus Peters, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Yes, Marcus Peters at the corner. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think um, you're thinking sort of Jason Peters, and yes. I don't know where Marcus came from, but you get it. <laughs> but it's all good. I, I, the Bucks just like just like this podcast. The Bucks had mental errors, so
1: <laughs> it happens, dude. It happens. A lot of names are similar. They get caught up in my mind. I I think of one guy in one uniform, and it's not even that guy. It happens, but. With the situation and where we are now, Donovan Smith playing the way that he is, putting somebody else at left tackle, not having youth at that position feels weird to me. Like, I, I, I like that we went and we got a rookie right tackle because you can work on the guy. You can mold him. And, and based off of week one against Cameron Jordan, you know, an elite pass rusher, he held his own pretty good. So I feel good about what he can bring to the table. And I like that it's planning for the future. So I say we stick with what we've got now.
0: Yeah, basically, I think it's how you view, you know, like how how bad you really think Donovan Smith is. Right. Because if you think Donovan Smith is going to play like this every single game, then I think you have no choice but to go back. If you could go back in time, and make that trade, you do. Um, but if you believe that Donovan Smith is going to bounce back and actually be average, like because that was not an average tackle, last, you know, last night. Oh, it was garbage. That was a horrible top, bottom five left tackle in the NFL. Um, and, yeah, so um, I think it all depends on how you view. Just a fun thing I want to think about. We're not going to bring it up again, really. Um, but I know that a lot of people are going to say, oh, because well, there was that report that like the Bucks were, you know, it, one of the teams interested in trading for Trent Williams. And they were, if they didn't land a tackle in the first round, they were going to try to trade for him. And I just thought that was fun. So,
1: yeah. So the question then becomes, uh, where do we go from here? Bucks are 0-1. It was a pretty terrible game against New Orleans. You, you had some highlights, but what do you do? Um, we got 15 games to kind of build on it. And, and I think that's what we're excited to see. I'm excited to see this team build on what they do well. And I think if they can just fix, not even you know, complete 180, if they can just kind of fix and patch up most of the problems they had, don't shoot yourself in the foot with flags every single week. Left tackle needs to step it up a little bit. I'd like to see some better run lanes be opened up by the offensive line. While we're on the topic, but we just need to see this team build off of what they put on the field. I still feel good about Brady. It's still the move. I don't think anybody except for I don't even want to say his arm name. strength
0: isn't dead, folks.
1: I, I, you know, I, I just. I still feel good about this football team. And I think the overreaction factor is what a lot of people yeah, are focused like, on right now. This, this
0: doesn't this doesn't change my opinion of their senior season at all. Go back and look at that record prediction show. I had them losing this football game. You had, you had, them, had them winning. One and two. Y- y- yeah, I had them starting 1 and 2. I had them beating the Panthers and losing to the Broncos. Now, I mean, you know, and then I have still haven't finished 11 and 5. So, like, if they obviously, if they drop to Carolina, one Carolina, that's going to be, that's going to change my opinion a lot because that's a game they just, good teams don't lose that game. Even average teams shouldn't probably lose that game. But, um, yeah, I mean, you had them winning, but at the end of the day, we still have them with the same record. So, like, uh, you know. I don't really think it It doesn't change my opinion. It, it. It's not because it's just like you said, it was a lot of self-inflicted things. If they came out and just crapped the bed, Tom Brady looked awful. And the offensive line, everybody was getting beat, not just Donovan Smith. And they didn't have, they didn't even have dumb penalties or anything or dumb special teams plays. Uh, Murphy bunting and Carlton Davis. Oh, the saints offense ran all over them all day. Then I'd be concerned. I'd be like, Oh boy. like, there's a lot more work to be done here. Maybe this is more of an 8-8 eight eight football team than an 11-5 one, but they looked fine. It was, besides, you know, one or two plays on, on offense from Brady, the uh, Donovan Smith, and then a few flags here and there, and just one bonehead special teams fly.
1: Call it what you will. Say what you want about this statement. Call it bold. But what that game was, it was a week one football game, given the circumstances between two of the better teams in the NFL. Like, it, it was it was two of the better teams in the NFL. One of them was undisciplined, and that's what lost the football game. Without those self-inflicted wounds, it's a much closer game, and maybe, just maybe, we're talking about a win here today on the show. But as of right now, Bucks are 0-1, so we just have to wait and see what they can do to build on it. And with that being said... Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us on any of our podcast outlets or checking us out with video on YouTube. Make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. It's pretty much the best place to be to get any updates on the show or any Buccaneer news as it happens Speaking of social media, make sure you follow myself at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. If you follow me, I promise I'll follow you back. And make sure you follow my co-host, Mr. Evan Wanish, on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is at daily. Coming up on twenty-five thousand followers. Did you hit it yet, or
0: no? We're still creeping. No, we, we're making some headway though. I last time I checked, it was twenty-four point seven. So.
1: Oh, we're getting there. It's gonna happen. It's definitely gonna happen before probably the half point of the season if this team is able to turn it around, which I still believe that they can. You can also find Mister Evan on Twitter at Evan NFL, where he talks about Philly sports, the Buccaneers, and uh, Rocky movies. Right. Bunch pretty of stuff. Pretty
0: much. I mean, yeah, that's that's a pretty basic description of it yeah so
1: not like i just ripped it from your bio or anything process trusted over there on evans no of
0: course i talk about football pirates and you know yeah all that stuff i mean you already ripped that from my bio and put it in yours basically so i just like the
1: term football pirates i think it's hilarious (laughs) dude um so ladies and gents before we go one last thing we will talk to you on thursday um this episode and then the game preview episode that we did last week officially kicks off our official schedule for the season. So what it's going to look like is every Monday there's a new episode of Cannon Fire podcast. If they play a Monday night game, obviously we'll do it on Tuesday. And if they play a Thursday night game, obviously we'll do it on Friday. But every single week you can expect episodes on Monday. You can expect a new Bucks Break to be out every single Tuesday. That is where I join Mr. Johnny B and Will Kuntz over on 1025 The Bone. We take some phone calls and we yell about the Bucks and a little bit more of a uh, I don't know, toilet humor fashion. And then Thursday we've got our game preview show. So look forward to that. Three shows coming out, and maybe we'll have some special treats for our friends over on YouTube. But make sure you get excited because we still have a great year of Buccaneer football and Cannon Fire podcast ahead of us. I am Rhett Matthews, signing off for my man Evan Wanish. Thank you guys for listening to our show. We'll see you on Thursday. Go Bucks!